Struco. You're listening to Bach to Bach, the podcast that opens up the world of classical music one beer at a time. We are here this evening. We, this is kind of a brown... Oh, well, this beer has hit me already. This is a groundbreaking podcast. <laughs> this is a groundbreaking podcast. <laughs> groundbreaking. Um, we are now kind of stepping out of the realm of classical with... Uh, with a step into the jazz I think world. it's a yes. It's a, yeah, it's I believe it's pronounced yes. We are here this evening with uh, with Chaz Lester yep. and Emmett Harity. Yes, and uh, if you don't know, uh, Chaz and Emmett are both members of the Fogcutters Big Band, which is a 20-piece big band, or 19? I think we're 19. Roughly 20-piece yeah. roughly yeah. uh, big band uh, based out of Portland, Maine, who have just released a new album, uh, which we'll be featuring a track off of, as well as talking about their upcoming show uh, next week, later on in the podcast. Uh, but in the meantime, we wanted to kind of breach this gap between the classical world, which is has always been slightly snobby, and the jazz world, which, which to has me, also been slightly, slightly <laughs> snobby. Yes. Very true. So... So just a little bit on the background of you guys. So um, tell me about the first, if you can remember, for either of you, the first classical performance you attended or the first one that comes to mind. Like live? I mean, probably the Nutcracker. Yeah. I grew up in Orono, Maine. Bangor Symphony Orchestra always did it at the University of Maine Concert Hall in my backyard. Nothing super exciting until I saw... Like PSO to Mahler in college. Yeah. Oh yeah, and if, if we haven't featured Mahler yet, and we will we do will. it a lot because Mahler to me is in my top three favorite composers. It's yeah. just talking about the definition of epic. I would um, say the first time I remember like thinking about like oh this kind of sounds. I remember as a kid growing up when I I moved to Maine when I was like eight eight and a half or so. Went up from San Pedro and uh, my dad with my, my folks listened to NPR a lot. And there was always, uh, especially in the mornings, like before noon, at like, I think after like nine and before, there was like a two hour or a couple hours, they still do it, but they feature all kinds of classical music. So I heard it and I sort of know what it was, but I didn't have, my family was still a lot of like, like not classical, like soul music and rock and stuff. But I remember seeing the Tur- Turtle Island String Quartet. Oh yeah. And, um, and I they... Yeah, and they're great. I mean, I think that, I think and they do some like the, the mixture of the classical with the alternative. Yeah, so and it's kind of, and it's it kind of makes it uh, a little more palatable to like someone who may not be super savvy with classical music. I actually I like you no, know, I use the word approachable, but I like the word palatable better. That's yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. It so it makes it, I just it made it some of those things because I I remember hearing there were things that they were playing that I was like, oh, that sounds like things I know, but then they were by doing so they were able to play other things I wasn't that were might have been in a more like. Uh, traditional classical sort of realm, yeah. but it was more digestible because it was paired with things that I already knew. And I, I think that's the first time, I forget, I don't even remember exactly where I saw them, but I remember seeing them and was like, like really paying, it was like the first time I really paid attention to that sort of thing. So have you guys now, over the course of your musical career, spotted a, a lick or a phrase in, in jazz that you could relate to in classical or, or, or vice versa? Or Yeah, yeah I think, I think it's funny, um, I was just listening to uh, a record by Hank Mobley, who's a f- famous like tenor saxophonist, called in this record called Soul Station. Mm-hmm. And the big thing in jazz, you have guys, and I, I don't know, if you, and they still do it now. It's kind of like an inside joke where somebody will be soloing, right? Because improvisation is sort of the, the cornerstone of, of jazz, yeah. and that you'll throw in licks from like other songs. Or and I've definitely heard people li- take li- uh, 
licks from like Rhapsody in Blue, or and it's quite, sort of like an inside thing, like ah, do you, do you see what I did there, yeah, kind yeah. of thing. And that's a, and obviously and also kind of teasing the listener who do know who can recognize him, right? Because it's like a fun game that it's like a it's like a it's like a it's like a, an inside joke that like if people are savvy they can like oh yeah I know that. So right. they definitely. Um, Interestingly enough, for me, when I was the first music I was ever really into was were these couple of classical records. You know, it's funny. My my parents had fairly hip tastes, and they'd be like, "Here, hey, some Tom Waits, or you know, whatever. Here's some awesome. Tower of Power." And I'd be like, "I'm yes. I really want to listen to that Dvorak string quartet record." <laughs> I remember there was like the there was this CD that was like two. two it was the Dvorak. Uh, was the, the American, American the Smetana string quartet, and that was like my favorite CD. You know, between the ages of like seven and eight, or maybe seven and seven and a quarter. Either you know, the times passed. That was a good year, but yeah, it was good a quarter good, of a year. It was a good time. <laughs> I was not listening. I was listening to like my mom, my mom had a. I don't even know if you guys know this band, Spyro, uh, Spyro Jack. Oh, yeah. yeah. Nope. <laughs> they're like this, like, ultra That sounds like down. Boingo Boingo, which is Danny Elfman's old Yeah, band. yeah. And they was like, oh, they were all great players, but they decided to make ultra accessible. Fusion to the extreme. Yeah. Smooth jazz fusion. Super cool. smooth, so, yeah. But I, I guess the, maybe before, I feel like I was trying to tie something. Oh, yeah. So anyway, the, but then, so I started off listening to classical music, got pretty heavy into jazz, but then just based on your question of, like, tying it all in, I, one of the first jazz pianists, pianists I got really into was this guy named Bill Evans. Yeah. And he's still one of my favorite jazz pianists, but I remember pretty early on realizing that he, like, got some of his ideas. He, like, he would uh, study the scores of, like, Debussy, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and that really informed his, like, harmonic sense on the, uh, on the instrument. So I think there is... And there's so much... Cross pollination there. Oh, and it's been a very gradual process as well, right? Just as that, you're going to talk about it a bit later on, Kev, right? Yeah, the, the, and I think I think one more. thing that I I've noticed so as you no, know, so you guys are both active musicians and active jazz musicians. I have listened to a lot of classical pieces in my life, of course, but a lot of them that once I played them, I fell in love with them a lot more. So I'm curious with you guys, active jazz listening, were there tunes, jazz tunes, that the second you played them, you're like. I'm I'm hooked. This is yeah. this is one Lush or, or a few. I know there's probably a ton. Yeah. yeah. For me, it was Lush Life. Uh, it's a Billy, Billy Strayhorn, who was an arranger and a composer, and he worked. He I think he kind of got to start with Duke, right? Yep. With Duke Ellington. Um, really sad, really interesting guy. There's a book on him called Lush Life, and he was uh, just a really interesting character. And this is before copyright. And there was a, there was a lot of allegations that like he would do arrangements or do for Duke, and then Duke would take. Credit, or he was, and he was, oh. he was a gay black man at a time when that was really a hard thing to be. Wow, what, um, what year are we around? Decade we're talking? We're talking like forties, forties, okay. yeah, forties, fifties. Um, but he wrote a really beautiful like work of art piece called Lush Life, and a lot of it's sort of out of time and until it gets to like the later section, and it really is. But it's like ballad, but it's 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 just it, I heard it, but didn't make note of it until I had to learn it in college, and then I. I, I, it's still it's like one of the songs that constantly will pop into my head I'll be like driving and it'll pop into my head it's amazing it's, it's, kind of, it's super compositional too it sounds like it could be it sounds like a classical piece it you know, could be right, yeah like, oh right um, yeah I mean I, I so I've I've fell in love with individual pieces of music also I think with jazz because they're sort of iconic 
players, you know, throughout. I mean, the history of jazz compared to the history of classical is minuscule. But there, you know, there are players who sound. There are a lot of people who played the same songs, you know, but somebody would play the song in a certain way and be like, oh, I love the way that guy sounds. So my most exciting moments were like, figuring out like oh this is the chord that he played in that one measure of that one song that sounds so cool and I yeah. learned it and so now maybe now I love this song you know because I sort of was looking at it through the lens of a certain musician who oh, had yeah. a certain sound because when people I hear people be like oh ja like jazz is like old people music and I just cringe Oof. oh god no no and the fact when you, when jazz was really in its heyday um you know, when, when like, sw for example, like when swing became a big yeah. thing, yeah. like that was the music that like parents were shaking their hands and like, you stay away from that. Don't go listen to that swing music. It's the devil D music. Yeah, it was like, yeah. it's like, it's like what the Black Sabbath was at its time. It was just like really risque and it was really hip and like really interesting. So and that's actually a perfect segue because this is one thing that I've been, I personally, I, my knowledge of jazz is it's limited. I'm not. I love jazz. I just don't know a ton about it. Mm -hmm. um, what do you think this about jazz now? I mean, even though we have so many different genres, I mean, and you know, there are artists like you know Snarky Puppy and and other ones who are currently who are influenced by jazz, but they you know go into the funk and soul, um, a little more experimental. But what is it about the jazz genre that makes it standoffish to the average average listener? Do you think is it just the is it the not knowing or I, is it the yeah? It's kind of I think a lot of people would call it musicians' music. Yeah, I I think sometimes like jazz, you know, it can get it can get lumped into one thing, you know, thinking about like swing, like bebop maybe is what people think of when they think of jazz, which was really like a ten year window, yeah, it looks you know, like the 40s in the, in the history of yeah. jazz, and also there's a, I think there's sort of there can be a culture of jazz musicians sort of tending to play. For other musicians, you know, they're they're trying to push the boundaries of rhythm and harmony and and technical musicianship and, and showing off and and it can become really inaccessible. You know, it can be mm -hmm. like or there are people like John Coltrane who was on a totally basically spiritual journey and later on in his career was playing insane free music. You know, it's like in and I think if you Really, if you, I think anybody can maybe enjoy it without any training or history. But yeah, there's a lot of preconceived notions too. I think a yeah. lot of times people think, again, the people that are that have the least amount of actual information about it tend to be the ones that are like, well, I don't know, it's a little overwhelming. But then I met people that like that know nothing about music as far as from like a, a theoretical standpoint or a performance standpoint. But they're just like, well, it just makes me feel good. I enjoy it. Um, uh, but yeah, I think the part of it is too. There's um, music. The, jazz is it can be dense. It can be really dense, and yeah. I feel like to the it's heady. It's demanding. Of yeah, and it doesn't have to be. I mean, yeah. There was this whole. There's this whole. There's I think this, it's with classical too. Oh yeah. yeah there's yeah. this whole. There was this whole uh, time. So bebop was this really. It got to a point where there was like a chord every quarter note. There was like it became less. It became very. Uh, Instead of up and down, it was very left to right. Like mm -hmm. it was when then modal music came. Like uh, we were talking earlier before we started recording about um, kind of blue. Yeah. And it's part of why its accessibility is it's like literally there'll be like one chord and then like there's so it's modal so they'll solo over like you know one like Dorian like D Dorian chord or something, and it makes it I think it's a little more spacious, it's a little more accessible to the listener, um, but it's not. Um, 
It's not like it's not the kind of stuff. It, it's not it's not made it's not made to have like catchy choruses and like. But do you I think mean, it can? But but especially regular kind of blue. That that is one of those quintessential jazz. albums that jazz albums that if someone who's new to it should dive into. It's a great access. It's a good yeah. way yeah. from yeah. a, a gateway. A good gateway. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Something to yeah. And also, it just I mean, unless it's vocal jazz like. Billie Holiday or Elvis Gerald or any of the other yeah. great yeah. singers, which you know probably tend to be more accessible. It doesn't have words, you know, and yeah. that's Instrum- yeah, yeah. yeah. It's rental music. I worked in a people. pub. I remember I worked at this, and this was really telling for me. I worked, when I was in college, I went to U- University of Maine Augusta, the jazz program there, and um, and I remember I worked at a pub uh, called the Liberal Cup, who actually makes their own beer too, coincidentally, but. Uh, oh, cool. um, but they, I, we, we, I worked in the kitchen. You know, I was a dish dog. I would, you know, whatever. I just needed an extra dough. Dish dog. I was a dish dog. <laughs> and, uh, and so, what the we would D-A-W- do is... Wait, hold on. <laughs> D-A-W-G-D-O-G-G or just D-O-G? I don't know. How, I don't know. <laughs> dog. That's a yeah. D-A-W-G. Maybe, yeah. Maybe dog. Two A's even. Yeah. Dow. Dow. But anyway, so we, we, when I worked in the kitchen, one of the deals was that... You know, us like a cook would put a record on, and we would listen to the entirety of the record, and everybody had sort of, sort of a, a chance to put something on. And I was in school for jazz, so I was like, I wanted to listen to the music that I was studying mm-hmm. that I was into. So I would put on like, you know, Coltrane. I would put on like Love Supreme, which is this beautiful, amazing yeah. record. You know, uh, and which is uh, again another one that's quintessential jazz. Quintessential record jazz, people. one of the finest jazz records probably ever made, I would say. Um, and but I, a lot of jazz does tend to be instrumental. I mean, there is vocal, yeah. there's vocal jazz, but there's a huge you know in like there's in, in the jazz realm there's way more instrumental music than like in the pop realm or oh, like, yeah. you know what I mean I feel like the two that are like have a lot of instrumental would be classical and jazz absolutely. Yeah. Um, but uh, I remember one time so I put on this record and Kenny G and Kenny G <laughs> fantastic yeah. handsome man uh, <laughs> classic man we just put him in a class of his own right yeah, yeah. yeah. he's not that yeah he's his own he's yeah. so I put this record on I don't even remember what it was it, was, it might have been Coltrane it might have been Stanley Turrentine it might have been McCoy Tyner I don't know but there was no words and I, we got about two minutes into this song and this fella who's on the line he's a cook looks at me and goes when did the words start I said what do you mean he said well when did the words start there's no words yet I said there is no words what? And he really, he really genuinely couldn't wrap his head around the fact that that music could have just instruments. Like, and I, and it was really like, wow. And he was like, he wasn't trying to be a smart ass. He was just like, I really want to know when the words come in. I was like, there are no words. Yeah. And I think part of what people, the common man, you know, because I, I have a lot of people. For me, it's funny. I'm a singer, but I'm also a drummer. And the the like the thing I gravitate to first is not the words. It's like the harmony. It's the arrangements. Yeah, it's the feel. Yeah, I, I, I never focus. Yeah, on Yeah, sometimes I do. Like like lush life. Lush life. Yeah. The words are absolutely incredible. It's beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. But I think the common man really likes words, right? There's a mm. there's a it's sense of lyr- lyricism is really important because it's something that they they use language every day. And I mean, also look at the, look at like a chorus of a pop rock song. I mean that that's not only a catchy melody, but they put a catchy lyric with it and it's stuck in their head forever. Yeah, but, and we, we're always looking for some facet which we can relate to. And right. if, we're, if we're not musicians, maybe that is you know. We may not recognize skill yeah. in, a, in an instrument being played. I mean, but oh yeah, you get just it becomes one hundred percent easier to convey an emotion when you can talk about it. You know, it's yeah. just. But I think part of it too is like the common, like part of what I think po- the beauty of pop music is, aside from the lyrical content. It's the fact that when people like say the common man gets out, you know, Dude, the common we sound like we're the pope over here. Or something. <laughs> yeah. like, the, the common, common man. I don't, I don't know. I'm not on board with the com- maybe a maybe a. 
intelligent Maybe person. Maybe a non musician. He's not a musician. There we go, yeah. How about that? <laughs> has, like, has anyone seen High Fidelity? Yeah. <laughs> Where they, they shit on everyone who you think knows less than you. No, which is everybody. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Bad, bad choice. No, no, no. no I didn't so mean the, 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 A non musician. Someone yeah. who doesn't play an instrument. That's a far better, because I myself am a common man. Uh, but. Um, I like that term when, now. What are you going to use when they, when they put on, when, like when you go home, and sometimes you, you don't want music that's going to make you. Sometimes, and I'm the same way. There's sometimes I'm, I don't want music that's, I have to be, like, it's really compelling and makes me think. Sometimes I want music that I can just sort of zone out to. Yeah. And yeah. that's the beauty. It's your lizard brain plug in. Yeah, the that's what the, that's the beauty of, that's the beauty of pop music, I think, is that it has, like, a very, it's like, for example, Billie Jean, Michael Jackson. Yeah. The beat, the beat, the beat <laughs> is, the beat is so, like, but people that people can dig that on the most basic level, mm-hmm. and it, there's, there's and, and I think that that's part of that. I mean, that song is compelling in many ways, but uh, it grabs people and it makes you move. Like that's part of the you know. So it's it, you know it's really accessible. Skill was was that just for the common man? Yeah, <laughs> for the non-musician is what I need to say. And and the, not, I'm not trying cool. to be a, <laughs> the common non-musician man. For the uh, but, but the I mean the fog kind of music is is is. Well, that's what we're getting. Powerful, yeah, quite powerful. That's segue. That was good. You were good. We, well, now cute. you just ruined it because now you recognize it. I yeah, yeah. Just right. roll right into it. But yeah, no. well, <laughs> what, what were you saying? The um, the fog, <laughs> the fog kind of stuff you guys play is really. I mean, I have I haven't heard what we're about to hear, but I uh, the other stuff I have heard is really like you can't help tapping your feet. You can't help wanting to right. move to it. it, it it's um, compelling. So yeah, ju- just a little background on the fog is that you guys. This is five years now. It's together correct five longer years than that longer. um six years so basically let's say let's go with five years. the fog cutters have they, wow. they've been an established part of the portland museum for for quite a number of years and what's great is that they are a you know a it's they're doing great at bringing the big band sound back to and yeah. to music yeah. for for everybody to enjoy in whatever you know facet you want to listen to it well so what you guys have done a great job um, is the annual Big Band Syndrome, which, which was just at the final one last uh, December. Yep. Um, which basically what they do is they bring in about six, seven different artists, yeah. uh, give or take, and do a couple, two to three songs uh, per artist. Uh, and so they have their songs uh, that the artist wrote backed by the Fog Cutters, so a 19 or 20 piece uh, big band. And it's, it creates a whole different kind of live show that you only can experience live, which is such a huge element. Uh, but you guys do a great job at getting people listening to jazz music that's original and that's new by doing these shows and then throwing your tunes in the middle or doing a cover, um, not doing it, but but you know playing a jazz standard, playing a big band standard uh, amongst this other, these other tunes that people may be more latched onto, but at least gets them engaged really really fast. Yeah. yeah. No, and it's. And it's funny, like, I, yeah, I, I definitely would say there's a, some jazz tunes on the record, like straight ahead. Like, yeah, like Steve. I mean, our, our tune and then and Steve's stuff is... Uh, yeah. And even, like, Imagine is, like, kind of a yeah. jazz waltz sort of deal. It's, it's um, nice to be able to sort of walk that line as the band is... I mean, because I'm into everything that we do, but it's like, this is a... Such this a, is a sort of... This is definitely a, pop, a tune straight out of the pop world, and this is a tune... Straight out of the jazz world, and these other songs meet halfway, and I mean everything meets and, halfway. Yeah. So this album is this uh, so your new album that just came out called Flotsam. Mm-hmm. It's out now on digital, digital, correct? And there's physical and physical copies, copies out now. Copies. Um, so Flotsam, S L O T S A M U M A M A M. Shit. 
<laughs> flotsam. We'll edit that. Let me, let me, let me just change this Facebook edits. post. Yeah. So flotsam, um, which is flotsam, is what will float after a shipwreck. So yes. like a ship goes down, the stuff that comes up to the surface is flotsam. Is flotsam. Yes. Yeah. Whereas other stuff stays down. Um, this is our first all original record. All original record. In particular, in particularly, it's our first studio record. We have a yeah. bunch of live live so, records, yeah, of of the previous big band syndromes that we do we've done a lot in the past. But this is our first like all original, all all arranged by us, all written by us. Which I think is is huge because not only is it an all original record, and we're we're gonna listen to the title track uh, in a second. But I want I think what's great about it is that it is written by so many different people. It's not yeah, one person or two people writing all the tracks. It is written by a lot of different people. Yeah, I think that's in a reason why we picked the the track Flotsam as the title track or the record because we were with an A, with an A. With an we a. were having a conversation <laughs> about how it's, uh, you know, the Flotsam ship goes down. All this random crap is floating. Not that I'm now. I'm telling like I'm calling the. Comparing the fog critters to a bunch of floating random crap. But not crap, but random floating stuff. You know, there, there are 19 people yeah, who are yeah. all in this band, and anybody is welcome to write right. for it, and people do, which is super cool. But yeah. the the range of influences and styles, obviously, is going to be huge. So, um, you know, and but hopefully throughout all these different songs that are track to track can be wildly different, there's something that remains sort of unifying and the band has a sound that um, ties it all together which I think happens on this record but we thought that Flotsam was a good name for the album sort of because it in a way exemplifies who we are yeah, yeah. that's awesome and this is one of the yeah. tracks you wrote correct this well is Emmett and I wrote it you guys together. wrote this track yeah awesome. we wrote, this is like co-written by Emmett and I so the, the melody I think the melody I think is pretty compelling um, but also the dynamics particularly and there's a there's this section where the where the bass uh has this like repeating phrase that kind of works through the changes. This boo doo doo da, boo doo doo da, boo doo doo da, and like it, 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 the dynamics I think are really beautiful to the point where like even now like well, you know I think sometimes it's easy to get sort of for like something you've written you've heard a million times for it to get to be old hat you know, mm-hmm. um, but we'll play that. And yeah, I get super excited every time the band. Yeah, plays we play that, and I get I get like a little weepy. Like it's got like I just stand there because I don't I don't there's no vocals on that particular section. So, and it really, the way it builds and the way that Emmett arranged it, it just sort of, there's this like swell, kind of almost like, kind of reminds me of like the ocean a little bit. It's like, it, right, there's right. like, there's this really, uh, really purposeful, like thoughtful, like really beautiful, like sway to, with dynamic sway to it. Yeah. Uh, and that was what grabs me. And the and by the end of it, it's just like fever pitch, you know. Chaz is singing the melody. I'm playing the melody on a Wurlitzer electric piano. And uh, Max Kalen is playing the melody on the guitar. So there are three, three different timbres. timbres all in unison, which I, I mean, I That's like cool. the sound of that. And it, took, it, us, it, it took us a little while to really nail the phrasing. Right. Because um, I kind of had a very specific idea in my head of how I wanted it to be phrased. And... Um, and poor Max, I just kept, well, Max, can we just do this? You know? And God bless me, he's a, he's a very patient man. Yes, he is. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, okay, yeah. Yeah, he fi- yeah he's fine. great. He's yeah. wonderful. And uh, so we, and we, we obviously we figured it out. And uh, and I think what we came up with, the final product for the record, I was really, I, I, I enjoy it. I dig it. But let's dive in and listen to the title track off the Fog Cutters, the Fog Cutters, newest and original studio record called Flotsam is the title track. Plots. Awesome. 
So that was a that was a sweet track. That's a fucking awesome track. And, and you guys were just saying while the while you guys at home were listening, uh, you people are, strangers are coming up to you now in Portland and just just saying how it's changed them. They really are excited about, it, which is great. Because and again, we this sort of, sort of time with our conversation previously, uh, how you you know a lot of people like you know lyrics and that sort of thing, and that Flotsam doesn't have any lyrics. I mean, it's vocals, but it's almost more textural than it yeah. is. It's not like a really, um, it doesn't, it's not the focus. It's not the, the vocals aren't the focus. It's just like another yeah. instrument, essentially. Yeah. I, and I think Great not only does that speak testaments to, to the quality, but also to the, you know, the community in Maine, I think in Portland, too. Like, there are people who are very appreciative of what we have here. Mm. Um, and, and yeah, go out of their way. Go out of the way to, to, to check it out and, and, to, yeah. and to try try it out. And then, you know, who knows? And they're yeah. the next big I had fan. a meeting, actually, today. So we, teaching at a, at a local school and a woman who was in the meeting Said you look terribly familiar. Uh, I said, "Oh well, you know." And then we ended up realizing that we both knew Lyle Davinsky, who is actually yep. going to be on one of your upcoming podcasts. Great, great musician, great singer. Um, and she said, "Oh, I'm like, you might know the Fog Cutters." And she got really excited. She goes, "I'll be there on the 20th." And I wow. was like, "Great!" Awesome. She's like, "I got my tickets." Really cool. We said it on the podcast before. There's great stuff coming out of this part of the world. And um, speaking of great things coming out of this part of the world, and Seth Matt and Spike, we are drinking. Well, we, we've gone back to Baxter. We're back our to good, Baxter. Our good friends at Baxter. Um, Luke Livingston couldn't be with us, but uh, we we saw this this new lager in the uh, display case at the shop on the well, corner. It's not new. It's not. It is their first lager, though. So we're drinking Tarnation California-style lager. It is Baxter's first lager, and this was actually really fun to, to research. Um, uh, we, we are coming up on a podcast soon just talking about the basic types of beers, for those who don't know, because I know I'm, I'm still very much in the midst of education here. Um, reading up on the California-style lager was really neat. So if you... This has to be said. This is a disclaimer. We know Baxter makes nothing but the best quality stuff. They are it's brilliant, and they take immense pride in in and yeah. how they make stuff. And made by owned by an adorable man with a great beard. He does. Yeah. Luke Livingston, we love you. We do love if you. It, if you're listening, we hope you are. I like your beard, Luke. I don't know you, but I like your beer. <laughs> beer and beard. Um, so the California style lager originally, you might also know it as uh, steam beer. Now that and it, and the California lager has become a. Um, a, a type for, uh, in the present day for uh, contest purposes, for, for judging purposes. Um, back in the day, steam beer, and, and what eventually became and coined the term uh, you know, by Anchor Steam Brewing Company, uh, steam beer, uh, came from back in the, the gold rush times, um, and it was known as a cheap beer back in the day. It was uh, what they had uh, on the West Coast. You had the, the gold rush, the Yukon, but not a lot of uh, access to... Uh, cold and, and cooling uh, materials like ice, like even fresh cold water, hmm. which, although reading up on that is is debatable because Mark Twain was the one who said that uh, the, the, the coldest winter he ever experienced was the summer in San Francisco. And it which is not cold. It, in the oh, my God. It is so freezing in San Fran. Really? Oh, my God. Oh, yeah, you can tell the tourists in San Fran because they're the ones wearing shorts. Um but really, yes, yeah. freezing. It, it is. It is. Yeah, in 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 San Francisco, it is absolutely frigid. Hmm. Um, <laughs> Just year round, like it's never. It's like, it's like fall here when you see people that aren't from around here. Like we're all still in like summer gear. And they're wearing like parkas. Like, yeah. <laughs> so um, and we're gonna we are gonna talk about this topic uh, with another broadcast soon, hopefully about just like the chemistry of brewing. 
Um, but there are different yeasts you use when you when you brew. Uh, a lot of it has to do with the temperature they can work at or the, the alcohol tolerance they can stand. Like you can't use beer yeast to brew moonshine because when you make the, the mash, it just uh, it, the yeast will die in the alcohol content. Um, so there's, there's different kinds of yeasts. There's an ale yeast, there's lager yeasts, and because... Um, so, quick little chemistry lesson. Lager uh, yeast is... Can wait, before you go into it, can you pretend you're Bill Nye? I'm not nearly that cool. I will never be as cool as Bill Nye. Okay. Um, Sorry. <laughs> Matt, Maddie's cool enough. Maddie's... Uh, and I don't have a bow tie or a lab coat. You don't. Yeah. Um, you gave that away. <laughs> for the folks at home, I have a lab coat and a bow tie. Um, no pants. That's a weird, weird combination. Uh, lager yeast is something called bottom fermenting. So for the fermentation takes place in suspension. So in the middle of all... The, uh, of the, um, the mix, that's where the, the fermentation is happening. And then a bottom fermenting yeast has all the, war, all the, the yeast itself settle down to the bottom. Hence bottom fermenting. And then top fermenting yeast, which is an ale yeast, uh, the, the yeast rises to the top. Um, ale yeast is a great name for a band. I'm just saying. <laughs> so, <laughs> sorry. It was just there. I had to use it. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. So, uh, so lager yeast is best used at a colder temperature, uh, a little bit above freezing. Um, and then ale yeast is best used at a higher temperature. Now because they didn't have cooling out west in kind of the, the, you know, the, the frontier, they found a way, they found a, uh, an, a, a lager yeast that worked at an ale temperature. So they didn't need as much cooling. So you got, so they were able to produce this beer with qualities of both an ale and a lager, which gives it a really, really unique taste. So in this one, in the tarnation, I hope everyone followed that at home. Um, if not, guess what? They can rewind. It's that yeah, simple. Just it's great about a podcast. <laughs> to bring it back around. Uh, it's, using, it's using the yeast of, of one at the temperatures of another, and at the, uh, the result is you get this real cool mix of tastes. So just to give you guys who are interested in the, in the, the ins and outs of it, they use both America crystal malts and Munich malts. So you get uh, like a toasty caramel flavor with, um, with the malty body, the two of those together. And then they take uh, northern brewer hops, which apparently are the, the signature type of hop for this style, um, combine it all together, um, and they use the San Francisco lager yeast. Uh, so again, trying to tie it all back in the style of the days. But again, That's back cool. in the days, this was a cheap beer. Now it's not. They obviously they back so they do it to the best. But if you read Jack London, you've almost certainly heard reference to steam beer. Uh, Jack London, you obviously know White Fang, Call of the Wild, but he also did a lot of writing uh, about uh, sea voyages and stuff out of San Francisco. Um, the sea Wolf um, uh, did a lot of. Uh, he wrote a, a kind of an alcoholic biography of a fake guy. I'm actually very curious. An artist I'm very much into is called Sea Wolf. I wonder if he's very influenced by Jack London. It is one of the best books of all time. If you haven't read, better it, than everybody poops. Every uh, nearly. Okay. Um, the Sea Wolf is is a is a great great book. Wolf Larsen is the the antagonist's name, and he is, huh, fantastic fellow. Anyway, um, so we're drinking Tarnation. Um, it is. It's just got a nice kind of it's crisp awesome. finish to it. It's all. super. It's, it's just lagers. I think a great a great palate for anybody in the spectrum. Yeah, but. It doesn't make it overwhelming. You don't get done after one, but you're not 
it's a it's always full flavor as well. And this is only five point three. This is probably the lowest ABV of anything we've had on recently. We've been hitting like the sevens and yeah, eights high stuff. So the podcasts have gone far away the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> what what I like about this sort of thing is like you know when I think of lager, I think about beer that I will. I'm not above drinking Budweiser, obviously, but beer that is is cheap and crappy, right? Like yeah, lager yeah. is like every every. Sort of non-craft like brew thing, and so I think it gets overlooked as a style often. But it's nice when a it's company well. that does things nicely will will take this put the maybe effort into how to, how to do a style and then do something cool Absolutely. with it. So I think it's tasty. Yeah, saw it on the shelf. Just uh, you, you guys can recognize it. It's a kind of a a, a, a blue and <laughs> blue and blue and red can with a picture of a pretty surly. Uh, guy with a pickaxe. All right, so this so. common man endorses. <laughs> common man endorses. <laughs> yeah, we can't cut that out. No, it's That's yeah, you're stuck with it forever. That's, you can check out Baxter Brewing online. And never gets sick of. Actually, are we they, have to do this. Is good for featuring uh, Lewiston. Lewiston, Lewiston Maine. So it's actually good because even though our episode and spending time with Baxter was great, the quality of the recording of the episode was not so. Hot. Which was our fault. Which was our fault. Oh yeah, completely our fault. We were still in our. We want to get baby we stages. Get, we want to get Luke back. Uh, oh yeah, with a, with on a proper a episode. But you know what? We'll feature Baxter Brewing in the meantime. So if you want to know more about Baxter Brewing or the Tarnation uh, Lager, go to baxterbrewing.com or follow them on social media at Baxter Brewing. Um, and as and all their beers, I'm a particular fan of the Stowaway IPA. Yeah, Stowaway IPA is fantastic. Yeah, yes. uh, the Window Seat, as we mentioned, the Window Seat uh, Coconut the, Porter just just uh, won silver last year at yeah. the uh, Great American. Uh, Brewfest um, and uh, they they released a double IPA called the uh, what was that one called the shit I don't think it's called shit the shit it's not called the shit punch you right in the mouth (laughs) (laughs) anyway uh, but I He's doing great stuff. They just had their five year, and it's yeah, they're doing good work. They're doing fantastic things. So happy to see uh, one of the many fantastic local breweries thriving and uh, serving people outside of Maine. We what's, are. Let's let's kind of next? dive into our podcast mixed in our base of our podcast mixed in with why uh, Chaz and Emmett are here, and it's kind of the crossover of classical and jazz. And again, we were saying both genres of music that our people are afraid of generally, um, or, or don't know a lot about, and our feel a little standoffish too. Um, and I think there are two composers that really did a great way of. Making both of those things very accessible. Uh, one was Leonard Bernstein used a lot of it, and we mentioned him in our last podcast. Uh, and another one is George Gershwin, in which we know um, mainly from Rhapsody in Blue, famous by the clarinet solo that's in the beginning of that that giant. I mean, the other piece that was really known for was American in Paris, which was also a movie, and then starring Gene Kelly, which. Just talk about just an easy way for people to get hooked into both orchestral literature. And he was jazz. like a jazz dude who wanted to be a serious classical guy. Yeah, you know, and, like, and but he also knew how to sell. The, but he also knew how to sell the masses. Like he had, yeah. he crossed both realms. Yeah. Uh, but able to, he's like, he's like, but I know how to market it, like how to sure. sell the people. Right. Um, like so, you know, he, maybe he was the other way around. He, you know, was approached uh, to write this, uh, write, write, write an idea in this vein. Um, and originally it was called an American Rhapsody. It was just this, this original, that was the original theme for it. But he actually was on a train ride to Boston. Um, oh. uh, just at, on the train ride, and based on what he was seeing and experiencing, and some of the sounds that he's hearing just from the train and, and just what was around him, he started coming up with these melodic ideas and started writing them down. 
So we, the original version was uh, for a, a theater orchestra was the original concept uh, and much basically a almost like a jazz orchestra, but not to the not extent. A pro, not a full size. Not a full size, yeah. Anyway, the, the full orchestra version that's known today that orchestras play, symphonies play across the country and across inter, and internationally, this was the, the version was originally 1942, redone in the 1970s again, uh, but featuring solo piano uh, and then and then the famous clarinet solo. And as such, <laughs> has become this piece that cross genres, and I think anybody that goes to see it live. I mean, sees it on a program and goes, "Oh, I've heard of that, oh, heard yeah. of that, or heard it." Yeah, and I and I hope that it younger generation. It was done. I was to say it was going to say it was done um, on the most. So there was Fantasia. Yep. And then there was Fantasia. Two thousand. And they did. They did Rhapsody, Rhapsody in Blue. Blue, and it was actually yeah, yeah. really, really cool because it was a, so. There's an animation that's coupled with the piece. It's a really wonderful way to make something that may seem like initially inaccessible. Uh, Really accessible, yeah. really fun, yeah, I mean, and, and and this they is just burned into my brain yeah. to this day, yeah. man. Oh, heck yeah. yeah! I think of the giant demon from the mountain, you know, all the mountain king, yeah. or yeah. the dinosaurs dying to the uh, Stravinsky, yeah. whatever. I, yeah, I'm gonna blow up the spot. My brother used to be afraid of the dancing mushrooms. They were creepy. It, my brother, it, it was just freaked the shit out of him, and yeah. I still give him shit about it. I <laughs> anyway. So I think let's just let's give a listen, and I think the thing the feature for is the giant piano solo throughout this piece. That's the that's the key. It's the main melody you want to listen for. You know, we hear the part that we know is that clarinet solo. That's in the first, I think, two minutes. Yeah, um, yeah exactly. But it's talk about but that lick from the low note that the clarinet slides. I mean, on a clarinet to gliss up to or to slide up to this really high note is so hard to do because you're not changing your fingering patterns it just doing it that's uh, all embouchure it's all embouchure uh, I'm telling you Tom Parchman who's principal clarinet of the Portland Symphony Orchestra he did they performed this back in 2015 and I just I'm like fuck man that's so good and it just it's so cool to hear live yeah so um l- let's dive into uh Rhapsody in Blue by the good old George Gershwin
Anyway, so, so we are in the home stretch of our podcast. Not only have we mentioned uh, Chaz and Emin, who are uh, members of the Fog Cutters, but not only do they have a brand new original album they're releasing. Again, or called, I'm sorry, not releasing, released. Yeah, released. called again called Flotsam. Yes, but, yeah. with an AM at the end. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but brand new original album that is out now, both on digital and physical copies. Uh, but more importantly, coming up, we have a CD release show for you guys on February 20th. Correct. Mm-hmm. Correct. Yep. 20th uh, February, it's a Saturday, it's over at the Portland House of Music and Entertainment, or home, technically it's foam, but foam, but we like calling it home, <laughs> but home is a little catchier, yeah, home is way uh, catchier, but yeah, it should be, um, there's still tickets available, and uh, Sorsha Merrill, Sorsha in the Clearing, uh, is opening, and yes. she actually will be singing, she's actually done the Big Band Syndrome thing in the past with us, so she'll be singing a few teams. She did season four, correct, I think, Big Band Syndrome four. Yep. Yeah, yeah. so, um, so yeah, it should be a it should be a good time. We're going with it's likely going to sell out though. Yes. That's what we're going with. So you should get your tickets now. Yes. Oh, it's going to sell out. I think it just sold out. But you should try. You should try anyway. <laughs> just in case. Just, just in, in case. In that time, it's sold out. It's gone. Yeah, and the time but does. really, this is you know this is one of those uh, those shows that, as great as the, the album is. It's one of those bands that when you see it live, it's it's a thousand yeah, times better. better so um, we're way louder. And I, I think the big the big band sound is even more rare than an orchestra nowadays. Hearing that yeah. that wall of brass coming at you, and yeah, what sound I, yeah. something like it's like a family. Like everybody gets along really, really well. Um, it, there's no like token ass hat. Um, like How everybody's is that really, not the name of the band. That's yeah, a great word. Asset. I forgot that existed. Yeah, but no, I think you know. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, I feel like everybody's oh, really yeah. kind, and totally. they really care about each other, and we get along well. Which it, I've been in bands with like three people that couldn't do that. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, so to have ninety people that get along really well and support each other, and there's no animosity, and there's a lot of just there's a lot of care. Yeah, the whole the whole thing is like an underdog story. You know that we're still around and yeah. still getting along, and it's nice and yeah. still like. Putting out decent music and it's 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 I would absolutely. Say, I would say good music. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So if if you want to know more about the Fog Cutters, the upcoming album, the upcoming show on February twentieth at Portland House of Music, uh, here in Portland, Maine, uh, go to thefogcutters.com, and you can also follow them on social media. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure. And if you have not gotten your tickets yet for the February twentieth CD release show, at what are you home, doing if you haven't got them already? Yeah, right. What are you doing with your life? Seriously. So, and right. one more plug on our side before we uh, we go into the Bach to Bach quiz is again, you know, if uh, you've not done your iTunes reviews, we have updated all our marketing, and, and as you can see, fresh new images on all the, all the episodes. Um, the website looks good, people. Looks good. This guy, good. This guy right here, he's, he's looks good. But and, and the thing is, people think you have to write a novel. You don't even have to. You don't even have to write anything. You can just click five stars. Just just you know, just click five stars. <laughs> I don't know how to maybe. write, but I know stars. Or if you yeah, want to, exactly. if you want to use your phone to do it, do the five stars, and then in the comment, you go to your emojis and put an eggplant. Any of those, that's fine as well. Yeah, right. um, uh, the, and the reason, just the folks at home know, the, the reason we ask for reviews on iTunes is. Because uh, the iTunes algorithm is <laughs> lonely. We don't talk to women. They give much. you meaning. Um, the stars fill <laughs> up my soul. Each star is a part of my heart. The, um, the so the iTunes algorithm works off of a few things, uh, and one of them is is the number of reviews. One of them is the number of subscriptions. The other is the number of reviews. So um, we if if we want to get noticed, if we want to try to. Uh, Get uh, get put up on a couple banners on iTunes. 
We need just a few more people yeah. to say, wow, these guys aren't complete shit. More stars. No, we're yeah. not them. Not complete shit. We're not asshats. That's what we want. Yeah, we're we not don't want to be asshats. Fuck to, to buck. We're not asshats. <laughs> <laughs> well, we just got our business card logo now. We're not asshats, but we are damn cute. That's it. <laughs> so, again, please... Uh, uh, that's quite sketchy, but I, I like it. We're going <laughs> to. Retool it. This is... This is, yeah. this is so Trial one. Anyway. Please just follow the links on the website. Go to the iTunes. Just click however, however many stars you think we deserve, and uh, and uh, and we would be very very grateful. I don't know if you can tell, but my from this episode, but my hair is really good today. It's very good. <laughs> uh, all right. So on that note, we are on the Bok to Bok quiz. If you guys have listened to the past episodes, we asked our guests six questions in a row, lightning round questions. They have to think of the first answer that comes off the top of their head. Whoever says the answer first, if the other person is thinking the same exact thing, they have to come up with something completely different. There is no wrong answer, uh, but the way it works, I yell out the numbers, Matt says the question, our guests say the answers. Are you guys ready? Yeah. Ready. Ready. All right. Number one. All right. What is your social security number and mother's maiden name? Five 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 five. That was that was that was a uh, that was a fake one. So the first question is, oh, oh, what sorry, is right. the least sexy instrument? What is the least sexy instrument? <sighs> oboe. Uh, oboe. Mm, no way. I think the triangle. <laughs> yeah, right. they're waiting for that answer for so That's long. That's why we haven't had one yet. Oh, I did. The has been popular, yeah. yeah. No, as in the least sexy instrument yeah. answer. Bok to Bok, question number two. What instrument do you wish you played? Drums. Triangle. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I want to rock that shit. Number three. Uh, if you could arm wrestle any composer, who would it be and why? Unless for you, let's do any jazz or two. Yeah, it could be any. Yeah, any you come. Well, jazz, no, let's let's stick. This is okay because I don't. I, I know I'm not as versed in the classic. I would say. Uh, oh man, I mean Beethoven, because you know why not? He's, yeah. He looms large. Why not? It's Wednesday, yeah, and you know? I think I would just like to touch his hand in any yeah. way that I could. You know? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I, I'm gonna say uh, it's magic moment. <laughs> I'm gonna say um, uh, Philip Glass because he's an old man and I know I could take him. Nice. That's, that's what Sarah, Sarah. Yeah, Sarah Hallie said that with uh, Nico Gula or something like that. I don't know what she's like. She's like, I, I want to arm wrestle because I know I would win. <laughs> yeah, I know. I because I, he's still alive, but I would. He's friendly. and I would point at his face and be like, I got you. I'm gonna crush Phillip. you, Philip. <laughs> All right, on that note, number four. Just quick um, disclaimer here. A lot of people struggle with this one. Just, okay. It is literally right. just the oh, first thing. So you're setting thing this up for, fail, for failure. No, just, just the first thing that shoots to your head, whatever it is. Say it. Just say it. All go. right, go. What is the most badass piece of music you've heard? Uh, Black Betty by Ram Jam. All right, I'm going to go with nice. the... Uh... That's not actually not how I feel about it. <laughs> Can I, should I give a real answer? Yeah, yes. Do it, do it. Uh, my favorite it, right now is Lingus by Snarky Puppet. Nice. Yeah, it never yeah you old. showed me that. Corey that Henry Solo, man. Incredible. Oh, Absolutely. And, yeah. and, uh, Blows your mind. Larnell Lewis. Guy who makes me want to retire. I I'm going <laughs> to give a two-part two answer. Yep. Um, Start with part two. <laughs> <laughs> two. Two things popped immediately to mind, which are both incredibly different. One is, uh, well, now I have thought of three. I should just 
Yes. Two. Get two. This out. Okay, two. Okay. Rite of Spring. Shavinsky. Ooh, Shavinsky. Good choice. Yeah. Excellent yeah. choice. Yeah. And this uh, track off the new Alabama Shakes record called Give Me All mm. Your Love. I listen to that. love Alabama Shakes. I just that just got the new track. Is so good. It's so yeah. good. Track five of that CD is just. I just, might write it. I'm going to actually arrange it for the big band. I think. Oh, oh definitely. It, it needs to happen. That's that was probably one of the faster responses. Just to let you guys okay. know. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Both yeah. lag, but if you give me time, I'm going to think of another hundred things. So okay. let's move on. And uh, yeah, thanks for knowing that too. Thank you. All right, number five. Are we on five? Yes, five. Go. What instrument do you feel is most or best suited for wilderness survival? Oh boy, drums all day, all day drums. Because if not, because if you need, you can fashion the sticks into like poking mechanisms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. start a fire. Start a fire. You can kill live things and eat them. Uh, if you're really small, I you, you can use the bass drum as shelter. I just uh, love that you use the term poking mechanism. <laughs> <laughs> like, 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 mechanism kind of implies that it has moving parts. There's no, like, my arm is the moving part. I would go with any sort of saxophone because you can be uh, loud and annoying and maybe somebody will find you. Yeah, or you can, like, scare off bears. Yeah. Yeah, we've had, yeah. yeah. so that's yeah, so actually, that's actually cool. in the wilderness, uh, wilderness Handbook. The Wilderness Handbook. You can either play dead with a bear or have it, like, play or saxophone. play saxophone. That's it. Yeah. And it'll be like, dude, play your your tone tone is, Yeah, cool. yeah. 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 Go listen to some Stan Getz. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so here's our one non-music question. Okay. The last question of the Bach to Bach quiz. Okay. Probably the most honest of them. Oh, most honest and my favorite. Question number six. Okay. What Muppet best describes you? I'm gonna have to go only because if you've ever if you've seen if you've seen me play drums or seen footage of me play drums, animal. Yeah. Uh, what is is Sam the piano playing? No, uh, Rolf. Rolf. Yeah. Okay. Sam is the eagle. Sam's the eagle. <laughs> Under these feathers, <laughs> absolutely naked. <laughs> so the dog, man, I love Rolf. 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 Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's oh. got a great like husky bear to yeah. too. The Muppet movie, the original Muppet movie. Yeah. The new, most recent one out is. The movie, yeah, the most yeah. wanted one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I have, I've seen the doc- like was it. Uh, was it Doctor Mayhem and the Doctor 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 Mayhem. Mayhem. Yeah. That's what it was. Another, they have a lot of good piano players in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Only because if you, I, I, when I and I, I get some, I still get shit for this. When I play drums, I make the stupidest faces, <laughs> and I think of, I think of Animal and how literally his his jaw is not hinged from the bottom jaw but the top, so it kind of like. <laughs> you know, like his head moves, but his jaw doesn't. It's That's true. like how I actually look. One of my favorite moments in the history of cinema is in the original Muppet movie when the uh, the bad guy who owns the frog leg, you know, fast food chain is about to kill Kermit the Frog, and they're in that weird ghost town, and then Animal eat, ate the pills that <laughs> Dr. Bunsen Beaker accidentally left out, and he's yes. still on the drums and just... His head busts out of the building. He grows to be the size of like a five-story bus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His head just crashes out of the roof. Oh man, inspiring! I love that. Absolutely, they. Are. I want to be a five-story animal when I grow up. You heard it here first. Did you guys see that there was actually recently there was a, uh, it was a drum off drum battle between Dave Grohl, Grohl and yeah. Animal, yeah. and yeah. they're like, "You win." It was great. It was great. Uh, yeah. <laughs> 
So we're actually going to do something a little unconventional with our episode. Usually we've been featuring two to three pieces within the episode, but this time we are going to send you out uh, with one, with our guests performing live. Live. Uh, on This is a cover of a John Cleary tune, you said? Yeah. John, it's, well, called, it's, it's called John Cleary. For those of you who don't, may not know, he's a British gentleman who's lived in New Orleans for a long time. An incredible piano player. Played with, toured with Bonnie Raitt for a long time. And... Um, just phenomenal piano player, great singer, and this is a tune called Sometimes I Wonder. Cool. So, again, thank you, Chaz. Thank you, Emmett, for being on Bach to Bach yes, this episode. Guys, and, thank you. And sorry, opening up the world of, of jazz even to. to uh, well, thanks so much for having us on. Oh, and good luck with the show on the weekend. Yes, and again, everyone. February 20th. Yep. Check out the website, buy your ticket, go see it. You will not regret it. Yeah, go to fogcutters, thefogcutters.com. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, we were on like the, the fa- Facebook. The Facebook. The Facebook. The Facebook. <laughs> Multiple. And the, uh, the Instagram. And the, uh, do we have an Instagram account? Oh, yeah, you do. Yeah, 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 Instagram. <laughs> we got to on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, that's, not, that's not my job. So that's right. Yeah. All right. Anyway, gentlemen, cheers. Yes. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Cheers. And thanks for being on Bach to Bach. Thank you, Baxter Brewing. Sometimes I won't
Sometimes I wonder, 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 Sometimes I wonder, sometimes I wonder, what in the world we gon' do without your sweetness and no completeness. I'm lost without you. I see trouble in my life and time. Sometimes I wonder Sometimes I wonder people Sometimes I wonder 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 Oh Sometimes I wonder Sometimes I wonder What is the world we try Sometimes I wonder